Hey, it's John, a cut above horror review, episode 56, talking about a brand new movie that just came out this past weekend. Nope, it's from Jordan Peele, his latest and greatest. We have a wonderful discussion about it, so kick back, relax, enjoy episode 56. Nope, appreciate all the love that you've given us on Spotify for the five-star review, the rating and reviewing on iTunes, and wherever you listen to a cut above horror review, we thank you. It starts now cut my life into pieces good evening and welcome to a cut above horror review a podcast where we review all things horror i'm your host jacqueline and tonight we'll be discussing the film jordan peele's twister excuse me i'm sorry i mean jordan peele's nope (laughs) from this year just released three days ago but first let's meet everybody else on the show first up it's hydraberg what's up hydraberg nope (laughs) is this what we're gonna do all night nope okay what's going on guys not much how you doing i'm good good Uh, hydraberg's got the cool background tonight it's the uh like one of the poster images from nope and his head is currently uh, comprising the O. Yeah. <laughs> nope. And if I get up to get a drink, don't think that I got abducted by aliens. I'm still here. It actually totally does look like that when you stood up. When you stood up yeah. earlier, you just kind of disappeared into the because, clouds. Because like right overhead is the, <laughs> the ship. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, actually. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. And we've also got John. How you doing, John? I'm doing very well, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. Uh, Hydraberg, yes, I do like that background, but what you need to do is scooch down a little bit. Looks like you're wearing that cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. Put yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like a flying cowboy hat in the shot. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm doing good. Awesome. Crazy, <laughs> crazy busy week at work and uh, getting ready for another one. So uh, looking forward to talking to you guys about this effing movie. Nice. <laughs> You know yeah. what I love, though, <laughs> is that Jordan Peele, he's only got three movies out, and now everything is addressed as Jordan Peele's Nope, Jordan Peele's Get Out, Jordan Peele's uh, Us. You know, he, he's already got that moniker at the Director top. Jordan Peele, like, when he's, like, producing something or attached to something. He's a household name now within yeah. horror. Really? <laughs> he's made a shit ton I mean, of I feel like he made him, I feel like he made himself the household name with his very first feature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree you know, with get out. I mean, he was, it was like an instant classic. And I mean, he just it's crazy. Where, like where he's, where he's been this whole time. Like, as far as like directing, like his chops are like already there already. Like you normally yeah. people like directors cut their teeth on a couple shitty films or like so, so films. And then they come out with like their banger or like a masterpiece. And it's like, uh-uh, this dude hit the ground fucking running. Like he's been sitting on these scripts. Well, and especially coming from the world of comedy. You know, it was so True. unexpected. I mean, you could see in a lot of his comedy, his orientation towards horror and sort of his fondness for it. You know, you could see that a lot, I think, in Key and Peele. But um, I certainly never expected him to go like full-fledged horror right out of the gate with his feature first feature film and then stick with it for two more feature films and then produce all this horror content in addition. I mean, yeah, I love that like, he leaned that was, like into, a major. He's like, I'm into horror and that's it. Like, yeah, I'm going to make you think about things. And, and every single yes, every single interview he's ever done, he's talked about his love for horror movies. So that's uh-huh. why I, I think he's, he's going to be consistent with, you know, he may. And I heard <laughs> there was like a tweet 
a guy put out says, Hey, how does it feel to be a master of horror? And Jordan Peele replied to the guy saying, Hey, um, listen, don't ban or don't discredit John Carpenter's name because I'm not there yet. You know? So yeah, he's like, I'll be damned if you besmirched the name of John Carpenter. That's right. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that was a classy, you know, appropriately modest response. Right. Absolutely. But- but I do hope that he sticks with horror. Like I want to see, I want to see twenty more horror movies by him. I don't want him to make like a baseball drama or something. You know, I I just want to, I want to see him stick with what he's doing. I love that each film he's done has touched on different things too, and different influences of his. Like you can see the influences in those films. We'll yeah. touch on that one with this one, and this movie is definitely yeah. more cinematic. This is like a bigger budget film, it seems for him. Huge. Um, I, I'm holding my tongue because there's a lot yeah. we got to get into, yeah. and you know, <laughs> I said it on our Facebook Live on on our Facebook page that we are going to spoil this movie. I know we got a spoiler alert, but this is brand spanking new, and you have not seen it. Oof. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited about talking to this one. So like, I'm sorry, I'm being all quiet here. No, no, I'm excited too. So let's blow through everything else. Got it. Everybody go with that. Yes. Uh, John, news, go. Yeah, trailer. Halloween Ends came out. <laughs> Have you seen it? Coming out October. I watched yes. it. Thoughts? <laughs> it looks like it shows the first 20 minutes. And Jamie, well, Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis's hair looks magnificent. I agree. I thought she looked good. I thought she looked more like Laurie Strode from 78 than she did in the previous two. I don't know how many insurers she had to make her hair look that good, but it looks magnificent. (laughs) It's so funny that you said that. My mom texted me like four hours ago saying, do you know of any like nutrition drinks for seniors? Like maybe I should start drinking insure. Yeah. I I don't remember which one it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, she does that Activia yogurt. Oh, that's it. Activia. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell my mom to go drink some Ensure and eat some Activia, and then she can look as good as Jamie Lee Curtis in the <laughs> Halloween Ends trailer. I got to say, this this trailer, the official, <clears throat> excuse me, this official trailer did not get me any more excited to see this movie. It just feels like, you know, paint by numbers again. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that's going to be twisty about it. So whatever happens... I, I'm kind of. It might be a twist. I think Jamie Lee Curtis's character dies in the beginning. That would be an interesting twist for sure. I feel like that's they're gonna throw us for a loop there, uh, and she's gonna, and then we're gonna have to deal with the rest of the film. That is a probably a really good guess because they actually like Jamie Lee Curtis. She like post like did the post rap thing like really early in the process of the movie actually being done. Yeah. You guys remember that? Yeah, there's been a couple of hints towards that possibly. And then who, who was it that uh, Carpenter said that like this is going to expectations are going to be thrown for a loop, I think, with uh, mm-hmm. what people are expecting. Well, I hope so. But I mean, who knows which I mean, who knows how that could go? Yeah. Um, but as, as it pertains to the trailer, I feel like what we see in it is pretty generic. And I almost can't really tell the difference between that and my memory of the Halloween Kills trailer. I mean, it, and just like the Halloween, like the Halloween Kills trailer, I feel like that didn't really reveal anything that actually mm-hmm. happens in the movie. You know, it's like so much happened beyond what you see in the trailer that was like very unexpected and not how we thought it was going to go. And so it's like, I just don't feel like this trailer really shows us anything at all. So it's hard for me to get excited about it, especially knowing that I very naively did get excited about Halloween kills and we oh, didn't yeah. cover that movie, but 
woof. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the same. I mean, it, it, I thought it exceeded expectations at the beginning of Halloween kills because it brought you to the point where Michael Myers got um, caught in 1978, which Mm -hmm. like to me was great. No, that was a cool scene. Um, and it looks like with this one, if you haven't seen it already, they're, they're flashing you back to 1978, right? Yeah, I saw that. It looks like they're, they're doing more of that. So, um, uh, now, so do you guys think evil dies tonight? <laughs> or <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Anything, hopefully this film generates some kind of awesome meme again, like the last one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would actually be excited if they, uh, if they brought in the Halloween three, uh, season of the witch kind of angled to it like like tom atkins comes through a portal oh, yeah. and just fucking starts blasting away he's like it's miller time bah, bah, bah. <laughs> and puts a like a real me bitch <clears throat> puts a pumpkin max mask on him oh, and yeah. starts playing uh five more days to Halloween. <laughs> yeah and fucking worms come out of his face and that's how he dies that's how he dies oh my god did you see that they they showed that the poster art for the halloweens the last three has supposedly been like nods towards that movie yeah, the, the, been the white mask and white light. And then like the last one was like a little bit of an orange light. Supposed to be like yeah, the pumpkin mask. The shamrock mask. Yeah. And then this one's got like a greenish hue to it. Supposed yeah. to be like the, the witch. That's interesting if that's really what they were doing. I gotta, yeah. I didn't I didn't pick that up at all. I kind of hope it wasn't it accidental. Much. Somebody yeah. made a meme of it, John, like, yeah. you know, comparing them side by side. And it's, it's, mean, it's a cool little Easter egg type thing. If they did. I like that kind of stuff. I think that's plausible. I think it's possible yeah. they could have done that. Yeah, and I got we'll move on from that. So yeah, I guess we're all pretty lukewarm with that, huh? Yeah, yeah but I mean I know I'm gonna see it. So I mean I mean it's definitely not gonna be Rob Zombie's fucking Halloween, that's for sure. <laughs> no, it will there. not. We got it in there. <laughs> that was a good one, Heidelberg. <laughs> uh okay, and thank you, Heidelberg, for this news. Uh the poster for the prequel to X, which we reviewed just a couple of weeks ago. It's called Pearl, will be coming out. Mia Goth is starring in the role of Pearl. It's gonna be set in 1918. And the trailer is hitting the interwebs tomorrow. Oh, for real? Yep. Oh, hey. The poster art looks awesome, too. It yeah, really that's good like art. 70s sort of vibe. She's just got this, you know, very sadistic smile on her face. Like it's a, a little big, gray, touch of gray on the sides. I like a really it. Really clean shot of Mia Goth. But then there's like this, like, drawing at the bottom of her axing somebody, which yeah, it's simple, yeah. but it, it's actually very effective. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing that uh trailer for i almost feel like i might like the prequel more than the if it's like done right it could be a really cool tale it could be well, interesting the character was sort of interesting it's it's too early for me to go that far yeah. in, in terms of predicting how i'm gonna like it but i mean it could be it could be totally awesome especially since it was filmed i mean basically at the same time as yeah. x that so it's like They've got that momentum going. Their their juices are flowing. Like it's not like waiting ten years and then making a prequel. You know what I mean? It's like it was right there that like all the actors are kind of in that mindset already. You know, sometimes you can tell that um, actors who come back for a sequel or a prequel when years have passed, it's like they don't seem to quite fit into that character as perfectly as they did the first time. But here, it's like the at least Mia Goth as Pearl. You know, should yeah, she was still in the moment. Yeah, so. You know, I think that I think there's a lot of promise for that. It could be. And I'm a fan of Ty West. I mean, I didn't yeah, love it, X, but, you know, it was all right. I, I'll, I'll go check it out for sure. And if you don't want to be put in a bad mood, and this is not horror move, movie news, but do not watch the 
uh, Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever. Oh, my God. It's so I've watched it a couple of times. It bombs me. Spoiler. Out. That movie is going to be so sad. It, it, no, there's no spoilers. It's just okay. well, you all know that Chadwick Boseman died, right? Like he yeah. passed. Away. So and this film is definitely going to be in honor of him. And just and it, Jacqueline, I know you're not into these films, but like this trailer is so like female centric, like just. Oh, it's so awesome. Like it shows all these powerful women in the film because they were already were powerful women in this film. Angela Bassett's in it. She looks fantastic. Oh, I love her. She looks like she's going to deliver uh, like a really good performance. Yeah, the music okay. starts off very somber, but you got to be in a good headspace. I would actually recommend you check it out, Jacqueline, if you're in a good mood. It's got a cover to No Woman, No Cry. Oh, yeah. Well, here's a question. Knowing that I have not seen any of the Marvel movies since um, I think like the first Thor movie came out. <laughs> so that was yeah. a minute ago. Could I watch the first Black Panther, Black Panther movie? Sort of. Yeah, you could watch that. I mean, and, like, like know what was going on. The only film that really leads into that is Civil War, I feel like. And that you don't have to watch that. Like that just introduces the Black Panther character and his relationship with his dad. Okay. Because I've been curious about Black Panther with all the like awards and accolades it got and stuff. But again, my usual hesitation about any MCU movie is that I haven't I, there's too many of them. And so I don't I don't want to feel like I have to watch 20 movies to, to be able to watch the one that I really want to see or all these millions of series that are yeah. on TV. So I just don't watch any of them. And so I'm totally clueless as to what has gone. Like I saw the first Iron Man. I saw the first Thor. I saw the Mark Ruffalo um Hulk and like the first Spider-Man and that's it. Yeah. Those are all yeah. the Marvel movies I've ever seen ever. We get fatigue on everything, you know, whether it's movies like Marvel movies, cause you get shows and you get all these movies and it's like music too. You know, how many times do you have to listen to a Taylor Swift song until you're like, <laughs> Oh, enough. Uh, we, just lost, we definitely just lost a viewer. Logan's yeah. going to be Logan so is out now. She just, yeah. I'm she not, just hit I think, the stop button. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Logan. Taylor Swift is very, very talented. I met her on two occasions. She's a wow. sweetheart. Okay. Oh, on the, I'm not, the I'm, I'm not knocking her. I think she's a brilliant songwriter, a good singer and a great performer. So that being said, if I turn on my favorite radio station, how many Taylor Swift songs can she I puts hear? out a lot of content? She's busy. Yeah. Get some fatigue, but like, absolutely. I'm a big Marvel stan and I'm, I'm getting fatigue from, the TV shows, I think they're they need to spread them out a little. I'm OK with the TV shows like some of them are pretty good. The production value is good, but it is a lot. And the fact that they're all interwoven is going to be very complicated for anybody to get involved. Or like if you miss one thing, you're sort of out of the loop. And for some people, that's OK. For some people like me, it's like fucking nerve wracking. I'm like, no, I need to watch the one be like eight before. Like, if, like it's, you know, continuity issues, you know, which come into play with comic books in general so right. the same problems that you have reading comic books is starting to to bleed over into the the mcu i agree <laughs> the movies. Yeah. awesome that's it for deuce that's why i love it yeah. <laughs> all right well johnny you picked this film nope for this week would you care to explain why you chose it yep uh mm. I, th I think it's a consensus that all three of us are big fans of jordan peele uh, this is his third movie. This movie like killed it at the box office. Although it's a $68 million budget, it made $44 million over the weekend. I'm sure it's going to make over the budget, but um, no, well, I've I, seen it twice. So some of that's from me. Yeah, I, I really think this is 
when we have an opportunity, all of us to be able to go see brand new movies, we can produce brand new content. And I'm sure other shows are going to be talking about no, but I just, I felt it's something that we really needed to jump on early, especially mm-hmm. with the reputation of Jordan Peele. No, it was a good choice. Yeah. I'm glad that you did. And yes, you're absolutely right. I think all three of us are big, stan- big, big, big fans of Jordan Peele and we're very much anticipating this movie. So um, yeah, good choice. I'm glad you picked it. Thank you. You want to get into it? Yeah. All right. John. Yeah. Does this movie fuck or suck? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to preface it by saying this is not my favorite Jordan Peele movie. Okay. However, the guy delivers on a consistent basis. It always has something to say rather than just a popcorn movie, which this had. So I will say this movie fucks. All right. Pretty well. I'll keep coming back for more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hydraberg, does it fuck or does it suck? Uh, this film is a fuck all the way. One that leaves the Oprah shot all over your face. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, this is an explicit show, guys. So don't play this in the car with your kids. I think we've already learned that. Yeah. Although Apple Podcast still is misrepresenting hey, us. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> I'm working on it. I know, I know, I know. Who do you got to sleep with to get your fucking thing changed? <laughs> Peter Selba? <laughs> mm. Michelle Pfeiffer? I wish. Mm. <laughs> what hot pretty. person can we fuck to make this label to correct? Or suck. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah. Uh, Jacqueline, um, what do you think about this movie? Yeah, I say it fucks. I- I'm with you. Um yeah, as of as of the moment, I would not say it's my favorite uh, fuck with Jordan Peele, but nonetheless, fuck it does. So, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. You want to hit us with that spoiler warning? <laughs> yeah, like I told you at the beginning of the podcast, this is a brand new movie. If you have not seen this movie and don't want it spoiled the shit out of, pause the podcast, go watch it in theaters, then fi- come back to find out what we thought about it. Please do. Yep. Hydraberg, have you got a reach around for us? Oh, yeah. I do. Nope. nope. Oh, yeah. I should have said nope. Sorry. Nope. I don't have one. <laughs> oh, man. The film's I, too, it's too early to write one. I wasn't able to. Some guy yelled at me while I was in the theater with my phone out. His name was Miles. That <laughs> grumpy old curmudgeon Miles yeah. yelling at you in the theater. Turn your phone off. That was your best reach around so far, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes, I have one, guys. Okay. All right. Peel has got another banger in the stable with carefully created characters and writing that's able to pull at the heartstrings and leave you in tears. Two siblings that battle their own inner fears. An entity that hides in the clouds. It swoops sounds with the quickness to devour whole crowds. OJ and Emerald are both trapped in their self-made enclosures. Desire the same, this alien's full exposure. To get the money shot is all that they can hope for. A hundred grand on the check that's signed off by Oprah. These siblings, they rival and risk their own skins, but each one evolves and comes through with a win. The creature will eat you if you stare into its glare, then vomit out the pieces it can't stand to bear. It's all quite gory, like a sitcom with Gordy, but it's all done with love and none of it's corny. With this third film, Peel isn't monkeying around, a tale that's not meant to be just told on the ground. So go into this film holding much hope because Jordan Peele's nope is most certainly dope. <laughs> well done. 
Well done. That- so I really enjoyed this film. Yeah. I'm just going to say right now. All right. Why don't you just go ahead and start? I like this was a one of the funnest, like best movie experiences I've had all year so far. As far as just like it was just man, the characters and just like I was on the edge of my seat almost the entire film. Um, I've seen it twice now. And I feel like um, being that we're older, I feel like we pick up on some of the the influences that you can buy. Like some people uh, like younger um, audiences might not pick up on unless they're like really film savvy. Like this film screams like Jaws, Close Encounters, The Goonies, like Spielberg in general. Like this is a love letter to Spielberg films or just like summertime blockbusters from the 80s. I feel like that Peel was obviously influenced by as a kid. And it's just got that written all over it. Your main story wasn't overly gory. I mean, no. like, like he's done in his other movies, but like, like I, the one thing I love about Jordan Peele is he's got this knack for details, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it was the flashback of, of the TV show where the, the chimpanzee just went ape shit. Literally. I, I, <laughs> Which the film starts with, and you're sort of just like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. And, and then it comes back to that, you know, Stephen yeah. character of uh, what Ricky um, you know, is having this flashback and, and the way he acted, that was so realistic that he's so, so traumatized, but he acts like he still has to be an entertainer. He's like, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. To go. But like, he's so affected by it. Um, and that's just like one of those little details that I don't think it, every director can do with their actors of uh, being able to pull that really, you're, you're really traumatized by this. And Jordan Peele just knew how to do that perfectly and film it like that. Mm-hmm. There's great tension with whom in all of his films. And he also with Peel's films in general and this film, especially like, I felt like there's just a lot of tension and the score and the sound design just lend to such a, like an awesome experience. I saw this movie in IMAX oh, man. and the sound is so good. Like, and the, like he just writes amazing dialogue and characters. I feel like for all his films, yeah, and yeah, just like the that. sister and bro- the sibling relationship in this movie is like so good. I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the film. It was decent for me. I didn't I didn't feel it as much really? as I did. Yeah, I, I just it was like a brother and sister that had or, or um, Daniel is a Kalua. Kalua? Yeah. Kaluuya, I think. Yeah, uh, he plays OJ, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was a very funny line in the, the movie. Your name's OJ. Yeah. Otis. And she <laughs> makes a face. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Um, See, no, it was fine. I, I I wasn't. It wasn't spectacular to me. Like, I like the OJ character. I thought I he, loved him. He was so uh, uh, torn, you know, trying to keep his head above water because he wanted to keep the the um, the ranch. The, yeah, the ranch for his dad to carry on the family lineage. You know, and it like. He was so he was such a broken character, but he always tried to do what's best for the ranch, you know? Yeah, always throughout his entire life, you know, where his sister was sort of like the wild one. She she broke away early on. You could tell. Right. Yeah. She's like, this ranch is my side action. It's not my main gig. Like just that beginning scene with him and the and the father. First of all, Keith David. I love that, dude. Nice casting. Love him. Love Love him. If my, I have in my in my review, I'm going to ding it a little bit just for not having more Keith David. I want more. Yeah. But just that scene with him and OJ. And just like you could tell this history, right? Like with, with the ranch, with their relationship and just like 
I don't know, just that like all that metal comes flying out of the out of the sky. You don't know what's going on yet. And just like it's so touching and like unsettling. His mm-hmm. dad gets hit. You think he's OK. You don't know what's going on, but something's off. Right. And then like that scene in the car when he's trying to keep he's naming all the horses. And he's trying to keep them lucid, you know, yep. talking yeah. and he's bleeding yeah. out and we don't know how bad the damage is yet. And then you see like you see his eyeball was, like cut in half. It was like, like a one. nickel, right? Yeah. A nickel went right through yeah. his head. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. So I'll I'll say that first off, I appreciate any horror film that comes out that is original and something creative and not uh you know part of a franchise or not a sequel or a reboot or whatever. It's like I love these like original stories that are coming out. Like, you know, we've had Fresh this year, we've had X, we've had Nope. I you know, some good stuff, you know, that are, that are like original properties. Um, I wish that I had seen this film earlier than yesterday because I I didn't Mm -hmm. have a chance to go see it until yesterday because I feel like I didn't really have enough time to like fully digest it. Um, I feel like I actually kind of still need time to think it over, but you know, as we're reviewing it tonight, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts as they stand, but I just feel like if we reviewed this a week from now, I might have it might have like crystallized a little more um and I I actually wish I could have seen it twice like you Hyderberg because I think seeing it once and then thinking about it as much as I was able to do in the past 24 hours I feel like I I grasp enough that I want to see it again and to like kind of solidify things um but but at, at at the very least all that to say like I think this is a film that warrants repeat viewings. I yeah. think this is like a movie you want to fuck with again. Mm-hmm. What did you, what did you think about the, the siblings? Uh, I thought the, it was so charming and so yeah. engaging. Like I loved hearing their interactions together. Yeah, I loved the contrast in their personalities. Exactly. I Love think there's that. something very endearing about OJ's character and how kind of uh, quiet. He's like stoic. Yeah, he's he's stoic, he's quiet, he seems very introverted, he's yeah. a man of few words, and yet somehow like he's like a very calm and steady presence, and he's like he's he's always kind of doing the right thing. He's like, Oh well, there's work to do. To and when his sister is like, Oh hell no, I don't want to do any work, and he's yeah, like, Well, yeah. oh, there's always something to do. And, and you know, can tell she feels comforted when she's around him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it seems like a personality that is well suited for working with horses yeah, <laughs> specifically. Absolutely. But um, so I found that character very endearing. But then on the flip side, I also was really, really um, like drawn to M's character because she's so magnetic and mm-hmm. such a big personality, so energetic. And that's like not my personality at all. And so, but I find that very attractive. Like I want to be around people like that. It's like, it's fun yeah. to be around them. Like a big personality. My sister-in-law is like that. Just well, a they, huge, they bring huge that side of you out. Even if you're not that kind of person, they allow you sometimes to be a little bit more like that kind of person, you know, when you may not be normally like that. Yeah, when you're around yeah. a person like that, they'll draw it out of you. Yeah, I'm really definitely. Not, yeah, I'm really not familiar with Kiki Palmer, but neither, yeah, neither am I. She plays M. She was the star for me. I mean, like, like her her role was so good. I mean, she she was so fantastic. I I, I agree with you guys. The dynamic between the brother and sister, it, it wasn't the highlight for me. It was the mm. individual characters by themselves. You know, just mm-hmm. the, 
this big ball of energy that M is. And then OJ is just a stoic guy that, that needs to get work done and try to keep <laughs> things running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's trying to keep everything above, you know, above board and trying to his best to keep the ranch going in honor of his father, you know, mm-hmm. but um, like, I love like just that scene in the beginning when they, they finally get back to the ranch and she's like, so, are we going to are we going to check out that liquor cabinet or what? You know, and then he stops for a minute. And you think he's going to say no or something. He's like, I got some of that, uh, some of that happy weed, too, or whatever. And she's like, oh, well, why didn't you just say that? You know, why don't you start <laughs> at the top with that? And she comes running up. She tries to jump on his back. He moves out of the way. And she's like, oh, your, re- your reflexes are still good. I'll mm-hmm. give you that. Like, I just like their banter. together. Like, I want them on screen more often. Their chemistry yeah. is just really good. And like uh, OJ or uh, Daniel Kalua. Kalua, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Kalua, Kalua, Kalua. I always. I I noticed in I've seen him in a couple of things, Black Mirror, and then and Get Out, and he emotes so well just with his eyes. Mm. Like his eyes do half the acting in this fucking film, and that also is a tribute to Jordan Peele because that's the cinematography. The way he. Oh, yeah. Film him like dark and it's just his eyes, you know, and, and you're right. They 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 have so much emotion behind them and he acts he, with them. So he well, really about how expressive he was in Get Out, you know, when he's uh-huh. like drifting down into the sunken place and his eyes are open wide and his mouth has fallen open and a tear comes out. And oh, like, that's think about how like, emotive that was. Yeah, I know that's an indelible image. But no, John, you mentioned the cinematography. Right. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Oh, it's so good. So good. So 47 minutes of this film is shot with IMAX cameras. And I saw it in IMAX. Most of it's like the alien stuff, like the sky mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They they use different techniques to draw out the grays and the clouds and like make the sky look a certain way because they focus on it so much. It's like its own character. Um, and just between that and the sound design, like... I saw it in IMAX both times. And honestly, like I was telling anybody that would listen, like, go see it in IMAX, go see it in IMAX. Cause the sound is like the creature noises were so unsettling just when it was around, like the clickings and the, and the, it had a war of the world sort of vibe to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like was unintentional. Right. And then also like when he, when, well, he, I'm, I'm assuming it's gender, but when it, when it, when it eats, yeah, I know when it eats, well, I corrected myself. (laughs) It's when I when it ate things, especially the crowd of people, and we can get to that later. But like you can hear the screams of people being digested slowly, either that or the thing is actually mimicking their screams to like throw you off, like scare you. That, that yeah, I had this thing. Same... Yeah, Sorry, I mean, go ahead, John. They, they they when the crowd did get sucked up, you you saw it digesting these people and they're in pain, and it's just like. To me, that was one of the most horrific things of the movie. I went, Whoa. oh, yeah. yeah, that was the thing for me, Hydraberg. I when you like there's several parts throughout the film where you hear the screaming as the the, saw, the, the like creature closer. passes overhead. And at first I thought it was like people screaming inside. But then I but then I wasn't sure if it was the creature itself mimicking yeah. that sound. Either way is horrifying. So I still don't know which it is, but or or maybe both. But. It's horrifying. So uh, how do you guys feel this movie works? Like, I think there are, are layers to this film, but I think at its most basic level, how do you guys think this works as like a UFO film? I think it's really good. And it does something so new to the genre. 
the fact that the creature is the UFO, I thought mm-hmm. was so original. Yeah. Well, it's it's like such a twist on yeah. a convention that we're so used to that we've been seeing for like a hundred years in in films. Um, yeah, because we're waiting for like... gray little gray men to touch down, right? And like you see that in the trailer, right? But we turns out like it's they're throwing us for a loop, which is why they throw they throw it in the trailer, right? Anyway, so you yeah, that's the thing is you don't get a chance in, in most UFO movies see the UFOs. It's mostly about the aliens, you yeah, know I mean? and the fact that the creature is the ship itself and it can morph into whatever like a big giant so it's it's got an undersea uh look to it it looked like a manta ray sort of or like a stingray that's exactly what. and then its other form turned into it's very floaty Mm -hmm. and it looked like something you would see in the deep ocean like deep sea creatures like that are they look like aliens now if i was to show you a couple pictures of some things that you've never seen before like they look like aliens because we don't see them on a daily basis yeah, it was like a, love a that. billowy, like a billowy yeah. membrane, like some kind of weird jellyfish. And the way its mouth like kept like it looked like paper mache. Yeah. And I felt like that was its mind as well as its mouth. There's like it was like almost like its brain or like it's that was its true self almost. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it was like, you know, its body. It, it was weird. I'm I, like, I dug it, though. And I'm yeah. like, Jacqueline, I, I wish I would have watched this earlier in the week. Look like a butthole. <laughs> Hyderberg is very oriented toward the butthole. <laughs> Apparently. I'm going to ask oh, I, I wish I wish that I would have seen it so I could process it more because my initial thought when I first got out of there, I said, this is a popcorn action flick UFO movie. And there was some horrific elements. And then I thought about it. I'm like, no, this is a pretty straightforward horror movie with like some weird twists and turns to them. Mm-hmm. No, it's 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 all of that. It's all of what you just said. It, it is a pop. It's 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 an ode to summertime blockbusters, a, a la Steven Spielberg films, basically. Right? But it? it's it's also character driven drama with horror, like some really intense like moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think Heidelberg, you were right earlier when you mentioned a bunch of different films that were clearly influences on this, and I think there are even maybe a handful more. Yeah. I made my little twister joke at the beginning and nobody liked oh, yeah. that but <laughs> i kept thinking twister but maybe that's just me because i no, i think you might be right movies, actually but... because that's how it that's how it sucks people up instead of using like a beam like we're used to seeing it does suck things up but it uses its like mouth to like generate fucking force and pulls them up through a twister well and we see so many like images before we know exactly what it is before we know that like yeah. the, the flying object is the creature mm-hmm. before we know that we see these shots of people kind of like in these cylindrical or kind of tight tubular type mm-hmm. spaces and they're kind of like getting sucked up and you don't know exactly what that mechanism is or whatever um but like you see that a couple of times in the movie twister and there's like all these episodes where people are trying to like film it and capture it and get the scientific yeah. you know equipment in the way and they're like constantly kind of trying to like dance with this thing and i which this film does as well right when they're trying mm-hmm. they're trying to get the money shot so they're mm-hmm. dealing with tech different technologies and ways to capture it or a picture of it mm-hmm. well <clears throat> and i almost and if you guys think this is stupid let me know it's almost a monster movie because you know how a yeah. monster yeah. giant monster kind of pursues you which mm-hmm. was, I, that, yes. that was so creative of, of having this UFO just kind of chase him around like a monster would. Yes. I love I love the way the thing it moves around like it darts around in the class. It's so intelligent, right? It, yeah, it goes higher. It goes lower. It's quiet at moments. And I love the element of the cloud as like its home yeah. base or it's like yep. a little safety zone. 
where it like lurks mm-hmm. and, during and the day it doesn't watching. do anything yeah but that, that like the cloud never moves i thought that was such a cool shot when they when they fast forwarded all the footage and all the clouds around it are moving but there's that one that's stuck in place and that's like the creature's mm-hmm. home base but no john totally. that's not stupid at all i think it's totally no. like a monster like when m yells at him like oj run like that seems so intense and, and the thing is like a monster it's fucking chasing him mm-hmm. at night you see the lights go out as and then you you know you start to realize like oh it, when this thing's around it affects electro- electricity or any electronics so and and you brought it up too hydroberg is that that every time that the lights would go out this the sound design was great it was like whoa, oh. whoa, whoa. Which Jordan yeah. Peele's known for really good soundtracks, right? And there's some music in this film, but a lot of times the music's distorted. Like mm-hmm. when I wear sunglasses my sunglasses at, at night. night. Oh my yeah. god, that scene is so good when it's just playing and and OJ's rolling up, and it's like, "I were my son." It's so good. Yeah, that's good I on the on his... the cut above soundtrack album. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get sued for using a, the uh... a warbled version of Corey. Is it Corey Hart? I wear yeah. My... yeah, yeah. It's so um, good. Though. But yeah, so uh, uh, kind of on that note, I love how they just like in any other like monster movie or creature feature, they're learning things about it as they go on. It's not like they instantly understand everything about it. And we don't either. We're figuring it out along with them. So we know about the electricity and stuff like that. We know. um, OJ yeah, he he comes up with the idea. Well, maybe it doesn't like eye contact like the horses. Yeah. You know, he kind of makes that parallel between the, the creature and the horses. We discover that it like plastic, those plastic flag things doesn't like that. And then so they use that to their benefit later. Um, we learn about the cloud being it's like home base. So we learn all these things. And so I think those are elements that typically take place in any creature feature. So I think it's like you know it, it works really well on that level um and that they're trying to like kind of wrangle it yeah exactly because you know? that's what they know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so like the the fake horse that it swallows and gets stuck when the flags are sticking out of it it sticks out of it for a good portion of the film i equated that towards especially on my second watch like it was almost george like like the fin when the flags come out like so during the crowd scene the flag slowly drops out of the cloud. And that's when we know like, oh, he's here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And he's mm-hmm. scoping it out. And then like, eventually he spits it out literally at the truck. Like, hey, fuck you for feeding me this thing. He poops it <laughs> out. Yeah. I think basically they like vomit it out or whatever you want to yeah. say. I think the it's hole is eye and mouth and anus and yeah. brain all at once. Yeah, it's a cloaca. Cloaca. <laughs> cloaca waka. Thank you, so- Lighthouse. One thing that I think maybe doesn't work so well, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this, but in terms of this functioning as like a UFO story, I was kind of underwhelmed at M and OJ's reactions, at least at the beginning, to their early encounters with this thing. So the first time there's an incident, you know, they're in the house and the lights go out and all this, um, like they and then, you know, OJ sees the thing and he's trying to tell M about it. And he's like, yeah, something they don't seem they first of all, they seem to like both believe it a little too easily and quickly. Like, oh, it's a it's a UFO. Um, and they don't seem particularly frightened by it. No. Um, they seem excited by the prospect of like capturing it on film and they go and buy this equipment and they're trying to like capture 
um it just it, it felt like kind of a it especially that first encounter it felt like a scene where I was expecting more like hysteria and or disbelief uh-huh. and I didn't get that and so I feel like that threw me off a little bit in terms of my expectations I was like what is this narrative doing um, I took I felt- it like as if maybe this area of California is sort of like known for possible UFO sightings or like hoaxes of UFO sightings. So maybe not really John shaking his head. Cause he, no, well, no, no, no. I, it, it's, it looks like a town called Victorville. I could drive an hour and a half yeah. North on 15 and it's nothing but like high desert. Cause so. one thing I picked up from the landscape too, is like, especially when they're driving back from the audition with the horse right. is some of the landscape looks alien in nature already. Like there's an area they show where like there's these weird fucking cactus or plants growing that just looks like something I've never seen because I don't live there. And like some of the landscape just looks like it could be taken from another planet like Mars or like because of the desert area. So I don't know if that's intentional, but I got a little bit of a vibe. If you go out to a place like that, it absolutely yeah. looks like that because it's like I mean, I've, never, I've never seen bushes like this before. What's going yeah. on? You know? And they've, they've literally used scenes like areas like that for scenes in movies in Hollywood to, you know, make up for planets and shit so i don't know if that was intentional but i definitely got a little bit of a vibe there but yeah you're right they kind of just go along you feel like that too like oh this wasn't the kind of reaction from these characters that i would expect it felt like oj was like didn't want to admit what he saw at first you know and but then M was like what'd you see you know and then he was like i saw this and then they instantly come up with the scheme to like make some money off of it Mm -hmm. yeah there there could have been yeah a little more of a a frightened reaction and yeah. then kind of accepting it. But mm-hmm. I'm curious, what do you think Jordan Peele's social commentary is in this movie? Cause I so think there's... that ties in, I think that ties into the way everybody reacts to this thing. There's not as much social commentary in this. Like if you go into this film wanting to as much of his other films have, I don't think you're going to get as much as you want. Like don't go into it thinking it's all there. There is some, there's definitely some here. Mm. Well, so, John, to to answer your question, I think um, while we're on this topic of like wanting to film or whatever, I feel like that's something that a lot of the characters in this movie do. And again, I haven't like fully crystallized this, but I guess these are just kind of my thoughts that I've had today. Um, I I don't feel like I know exactly how it all fits together, but I do see a lot of parallels. So M and OJ, their kind of instinct when when this starts to take place is to like film it and capitalize on it right that's exactly that's what he's saying that's what everybody does in this movie yeah what is steven yoon yeah he he, it's the he's capitalizing it's Mm -hmm. the spectacle spectacle of this situation of what we live in now this is like like talking about reporters well we've got to get the first shot of the the traffic accident on i-15 you know, so we could show. I mean, there's literally a TMZ guy that shows up in the that, end. But that's what kind of tied it in for me. It's like, and the only thing he said was he broke his arm. He fell off his motorcycle, broke He's his like, arm. He's like, get the shot. Get the shot. I thought that guy, that the ad, the addition of that guy at the end was a little jarring. I felt that it felt a little forced. It felt forced, but it also just kind of reiterated what I thought was the social commentary of it's we're all spectators. Yeah. We're all that guy sort of. We want to get that shot. We want to be able to post it on Facebook. We want to be able to report it on the news. So everybody 
is a part of this. Yeah, even when it's something tragic, right? Exactly. So like, right. so like Stephen Yoon, he had this childhood experience that was really traumatic, and yet he's got this little like kind of back room, like Hall of Fame type thing that to he charges people yeah. to look at, and he he even talks about it. He doesn't talk about it as though he's traumatized. He's like, and Chris Kattan played Gordy on the on the SNL skit. Oh, I wasn't like he was fantastic and. He's talking about like how it has been kind of how it has kind of like reverberated in pop culture. And, and now he's doing this thing with the horse show. Right. right? Now, now it's a blip on everybody's memory. Oh yeah. Go check. I'll check it out on YouTube or there, one interesting thing. They had a mad magazine that Jordan Peele made for the movie. And it's like, we've reduced this tragedy to something comical. Yeah. You know, they had this, they had this, uh, Alfred E. Newman face on a chimpanzee of what had happened. And, you know, that was the basis of that edition of Mad Magazine. And it was just like, so now you're just a blip. You've gone through this trauma, which is why when I brought up earlier is like Stephen Yoon has has this great look on his face when he actually the the, the aftermath of what had happened, you know, because this chimpanzee just. Uh, Stephen Yoon goes, oh, yeah, that, that was the first exploding high five or fist bump or whatever. Fist it was. Bump, yeah. yeah. And like this chimpanzees reaching for him blam gets his head blown off and it's so mm. no go ahead no that that was it i mean it was just like we're all spectators you know it's all the the spectacle of what's going on let's get a picture of this or or whatever that's what i thought the social commentary was Mm -hmm. no i definitely picked up on some of that um Mm -hmm. yeah because you got the uh you got the dude at best buy too who's like a conspiracy theorist and he's like into you know, capturing all this and yeah, he's like trying to also, insert himself in yeah. a situation where like it's not really his. And they sort business. of want to capitalize on it too because you know the the ranch is sort of like at least OJ's motivation is you know I could use the money for the ranch because I'm selling all the horses and stuff and I don't want to lose Dad's ranch so he's a little desperate. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Which is um, a nice tie into like what Stephen Yoon's doing at his place. Yeah, know, it's the spectacle of yeah, he's capitalizing like. 15 people there that are watching this. It's like, Oh, every Friday at one hour from now, you're going to see this thing. And so the main reason that this thing's even there is because of Steven, you because of Jupe's character for six months, he's been feeding it horses. The dad died six months ago. So this thing has been somewhere around here, but he's kept it here. Like it's stayed here because of the fact that he's feeding it every Friday night Mm -hmm. for six months. You know, preparing this show and just making sure that like what he saw, I guess, was real, you know, and like that's basically the reason I think that um, Otis dies at all. Like the why the creatures even around is because of that, you know, and like what's his name says, like I've been staring at this cloud for like six months, I think. Like, I think it's been there the whole time. I didn't realize it. And that's how long ago the dad died was six months ago. Right. So that's one of those things that I hadn't quite put together yet. So thank you for like making that clear for me. But then if that's the case. Obviously, this and thing was somewhere. Have, I mean, it's swallowing well, but, people. But listen, if people in a show have been seeing this fucking thing for six months, well, that was the first the- time he did the show. That was a that was a oh, that's why he sold the press oh, passes and oh, stuff, oh, because oh, that oh, was a, okay. that was like a first time glimpse at what the new show was going to be. Got it. OK, yeah, because I had so thought- those are people he invited, like his old co-star whose face was gnarly. Now we know why that lady had a gnarly face in the fucking trailer. Mm-hmm. It was the mm-hmm. chick who got her face eaten off by Gordy. Okay. That's the next thing I'd like to talk about is the Gordy part. Let's right. please let's do. So the movie starts with it. Like the, 
it starts with the the dialogue over the universal like sign. Uh, we hear the dialogue about the dad talking about the gift of the and it starts with Gordy and I, I like I know now what the Gordy means like the it's a metaphor along with the animal and the horses as well as like caged animals or taming wild animals or trying to you know like like uh, OJ says coming into an agreement with a predator like you can't you know what I mean and you you need to like almost bow down to it in order to just like he doesn't look it in the eyes. And that's why it doesn't eat him. So and you Gordy, can't control a force of you nature. can't control you. A twister something can go wrong. Yeah. Just like a twister. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I, I think know. the Gordy stuff is horrifying. Like the scenes ter- terrifying. Right. Yeah. But it just to me, like it felt added on, like almost as if it was like a small story that Jordan Peele has been wanting to do for a while. He didn't know where to put it. And he decided to put it in this film. But it I like it. Yeah, it gave a backstory to Ricky, though. I mean, but I don't. Ricky's not a big enough character that I felt he needed that. The I know, film could have still hit this marks without any of the Gordy stuff, and we could have still got the metaphor of like tamed animals with the horses and stuff. Yeah. So here's the thing, Hyderberg. I could not agree with you more. I like it's like you're reading my mind. That was yeah. It's like I thought it was really weird. So, but here's the thing. I think that everything that we see in in Ricky's backstory. I think it could still stay in the film, but I think it's very disorienting to open with it. Yeah. Because then it, we think that this is like the major through line of the film or that this is like the major plot focus of the film. And then, but it's not, and it's not, and it turns into something else. And also just having seen the trailer and, you know, we see a good bit of that first um, UFO encounter with M and OJ. And so it's yeah. like, we already know these are our characters. This and is this like is the subject. thing that's happening. And so it's like, this is what we go into the movie expecting. And then we open with something that is not that at all. It's like, a we don't come back to it with till a, later with a chimp. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And of course we find out, but I think it, it gives too much weight to the importance of that specific subplot to yeah. open the movie with it. I wish that it were more like, I wish that it had opened with the scene of Otis Sr. getting killed out in, you know, yep. with, with the falling That's stuff. all we needed. And then, you know, going on with the story and they go to visit that um, theme park or whatever it is, the carnival thing and meet with Steven Yoon and then kind of like Tarantino style, maybe like freeze on him and then rewind and do that little yeah, backstory. Glimpses of it. Yeah, that kid. would be interesting. Ex- exactly. and, then, and then you're like back in the present with their meeting in his office. Yeah. Right? And then it's like, OK, this is the backstory on this character. Now we're up to speed. But to open with it, I think I think kinda, we focus like, on it too know. much. Exactly. And it, the film's a little long. It's not horribly long, but I feel like it could have been a little tighter, just a little bit. Yeah. And like that's two hours one of the and things 11 I feel minutes like, is yeah. a look, look, that's not a lot to complain. I mean, I watched two and a half hour films that, you know, but I, there were a couple moments in the middle of the film where it did drag just a tiny bit. And when I say the word drag, I don't mean it as like a major slight, you know, like I love this film. Like I had a great time watching it twice. So. But there's a couple moments that I felt like could have been a little tighter. And the Gordy stuff, I like it. And like, I get it. Like, it's what showed the fact that Gordy was still fist bumping him in the end, even though he just like killed almost all that studio audience. And the, and the, like, he thinks that, like, oh, you know, just like with the alien, it likes me. It hasn't attacked me. I've fed it horses. So, like, he thinks, you know, this happened to me with Gordy as well. Like, I'm touched. You know, basically, it's like, okay, I have a thing with me, a stigma, you know, stigma. And, like, the alien's going to do whatever I want it to. And it's just, it's a message to, like, you can't, it's a fucking apex predator. You can't fucking befriend it. Like, 
it's going to turn on you as Siegfried and Roy, right? Like that's what he, that's what, uh, what's his name? Antler says. So like, <laughs> I just does. think it's interesting. It's definitely interesting and it's part of his backstory. And like, I get it. Like it helps, it services the film, but it also takes away from it at the same time, in my opinion. Yeah. Because yeah. that washes away any kind of trauma because you realize what the fucked up thing he's doing. He's buying these horses so he could use it as a spectacle, you know? And if you do it yeah. two times, if you're a glutton for this, Yeah, is going to eat you back. Like, don't feed the bears. You know what I mean? Like, it seems cool at first, right? Until that bear is you're out of food and then the bear sees you as the food. It's all fun and games till somebody loses. And also that alien was pissed off and had a fucking fake horse stuck in its fucking mouth or whatever for like a week (laughs) or a couple of days now. I love that scene, too. The way he just swoops in and it's like they're looking, it's there and then it's gone. And then it's Mm. right over the crowd and the crowd's like, oh, look at this. And like you guys said. What are they doing? They're looking at it with their fucking cameras out. The eminent danger is right above, but let's fucking look. Let's record it. They're getting the money shot. The money mm-hmm. shot. The Oprah shot. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all get sucked up. Even the kids, the children. That thing doesn't discriminate who, nope, who it eats. Hell no. So yeah. I, I think both like the Gordy scene and the, the crowd scene are great. I just feel like we focus on Ricky's character a little bit more than I think we, we needed to, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I couldn't agree more. And while we're kind of on this topic, John, you had asked about social commentary. I did read a quote from Jordan Peele that I thought was interesting. Um, it's kind of in a different vein from what we've been talking about. But <clears throat> uh, in this one particular interview, I think it was with Entertainment Weekly, he was talking about the topic of Black erasure. And he was saying, um, I'm most proud in how we addressed this acknowledgement of the first actor, right? So he's talking about that first film clip that they talk about, which is a real film clip of the black man, um, the jockey riding the horse and how that was like the first collection of images made to become like a moving picture. Mm. Um, He said the jockey that was in the clip that no one knows. In a lot of ways, this film is the sequel to that the sequel that was needed, the reboot of that original film in which we acknowledge the erasure, we acknowledge the exploitation, we let it lie there, and then we go make the best fucking crazy adventure alien movie with Black people and Black voices. Yep. So I thought that was an interesting way for him to put it, that like this is a sequel I like to that, that first well, Yeah, film. that moving picture, that was the very last shot of the movie too. When the film oh, opens, the film opens up with it too. When we, yes. we don't know what we're seeing, but we're seeing the inside of the alien. Mm-hmm. And the camera's slowly moving up and the fucking sound, the the score is ramping up to like this dreaded sort of, I don't even, it's original music. I don't, it's not a uh, song from anything, but, and it's so good. And then we get to see the, we see the the running um, motion picture of the, the jockey. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is a, also a little bit uh, um, kind of a knock on what Hollywood's doing now? Because like they set up this, it's only for a commercial. So, so OJ brings the horse that's been trained, Yeah, but it gets spooked, but then all the CGI. Yeah. They bring in this like CGI green screen Uh horse. It is shape. And then, you know, it's like, okay, so why does OJ have this, have this uh, ranch when, you know, they're training Hollywood horses when they could just use CGI. So I think it was kind of a knock on Hollywood. Like like, animal trainers. And that's why he's losing the ranch because exactly right. Yeah, and also just probably towards like practical effects in general too in Hollywood. Like, there's so many talented people that used to work in Hollywood that, and look at the horror movies that we love from like the '80s. They're all practical effects. Practical, yeah. Well, and the way that when they're when they do have the horse on set for the commercial, um, 
OJ's trying to tell them like, oh, but he's so and quiet. He's like, yeah. don't don't stand behind him. Oh, can can we just have a little break for a minute? Oh, can yeah. we, you know, whatever. And nobody is listening to him. And then that horse kicks some fucking shit out of, you know, almost hurt somebody. And like, again, it's people like not respecting these forces of nature. And then they're getting bit in the ass for it. Yeah. And there's like a parallel between the horse's behavior and OJ's too, because he's overwhelmed as well, because like this was his dad's role. Mm-hmm. And his mm-hmm. sister was late, and he's like, sort of like you said, he's introverted he's a little bit. He's very one. quiet, so he's sort yeah. of just like, "Hey, can we not do that?" You know, and nobody's listening. He's not really enforcing it like his dad probably would have. Mm-hmm. His dad probably had like a presence when he was uh, people under like the director says, like, "What happened to the other guy?" Like, we usually deal with that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're dealing. Oh, with yeah, the he, he, was, he was not used to the. That was interesting because he's, he's also dealing with the trauma. Guy. It's like, only been six months. He's still dealing with the fact that his father's gone. He's had to like pick up the slack. He hasn't probably really even grieved that well. Yeah. So well, he's. Pro- I mean, he's probably just been working. It's not like you can you can just yeah. leave your horse ranch no. behind and go on vacation or like take time off. Like he's still got to feed the horses and he's got mouths to feed. Shovel up their shit and do all the stuff that horses need. It's like I love horse that horse when like he goes family. home. Eventually, he tries to make that ball again, so like he can start training the horses he has still. Basically, to use that, yeah. Hey, I, I think know, he I makes think... one at home. He makes that ball that they use on the on the set with the shiny side and the dull side. I guess to check like l- lighting or something or oh, I com- that for. completely did not. Yeah, he ma- he has like a plunger and a ball, and he takes some stuff and he has a newspaper on the table and he like spray paint something. He's recreating that so he okay. can train the horses that he still has, mm-hmm. so he doesn't lose any more jobs. I guess. Got Which it. is smart. Like I get it. Like I did not pick up on that. Yeah. Let me ask you the the guy that played antlers, uh, or mm-hmm. antlers. Yeah. Uh, I Michael fucking love Wintock. his voice. Was he the bad guy in the crow? in the crow? Yes, I love him the since Lord, the crow. He aged wrong. Oof. His he voice feels- is so good, though. It is. I love how grumbly it is. John, you were saying he aged poorly. Yes, I think he looks sexy. I thought he looked pretty pretty cool. <laughs> like this beard. I'm one to talk, right? I mean, he is an older man. That's true. I thought he was a good looking older man myself. I like this character, too. I love this. One of my time. I think everybody's hot. So one of my. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, No, I I love this character. I thought it was great. You know, because he he, he's just like one of the people that want to consume. He's like, yeah, they they call him and. Well, I don't know if he's one of those people that wants to consume. I think he was like. That's how he a, met his mom. He doesn't care about the money. He just wants to get that. He wants to get that. He cares about shot. the art. And like he was willing to sacrifice his life. To because of better to lighting. Like experience this thing and try to get the best shot that he could. But like, I think he knew he was going to die in that He's final figured, moment. Let he me document like, what happens when you go into it. the fucking thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't I don't view him as like a consumer. I view him as like almost like an obsessive creator. Yeah. He He's basically done everything in his career i feel like where he's done everything that he thinks he could that's that's challenging to him so when given this challenge the impossible shot which it's almost like they never said it was an alien but he he picked it up right there's something weird here the impossible shot he said the impossible shot is impossible Mm -hmm. you know he automatically knew what they were talking about and he hung up on that like i'm not dealing with that right and then later Mm -hmm. he ends up seeing the news report and he decides you know what there's something to what they're telling me fuck it i'll go there and I love how he shows up. He's there. He's like, you have a wheelchair on your fucking roof. <laughs> Which can we talk about that scene when yeah. when when the creature gets aggressive and comes after 
devouring the crowd at Jupiter's um, claim. When he comes or it comes to the house, that scene in the house is so good. The way the thing is so it's looming over the house, right? They don't know yet, but, and, and all the rain, it's a rainstorm. It's cascading over the object and the house. So it's not hitting the house anymore. And it's like this umbrella, like the guy calls it an umbrella at some point. And like, then it just vomits everything back onto the house, all the metal, all the things that devoured right. the like people's viscera. blood. I yeah. love that. So it's so fucking like unsettling and just like, it's such a horrific moment in this film. I like and then, like for the whole rest of the movie, the house is like stained with yeah. all that. I, and then OJ pulls up and he just has to stop because he's watching it happen. Yeah. You get to see like everything that he, vom- whatever he did, vomited it back up. But yeah, the blood stains and you see the chairs that it just sucked up and yeah, all that other stuff was just all People's over the coins place. and jewelry. And then, like, that was like the Langoliers. Do you guys remember the Langoliers? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they go through that like <laughs> rip in time or whatever, yeah. and like the bodies disappear, but all their like but their hip like this uh bones of like fucking yeah. surgery stays all their, like pacemakers and their yeah. gold fillings and their jewelry and yep. stuff stays behind. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's a nod to that. I don't know. I love the language. That was my first Stephen King I ever read. I would love so a, a, a special place in my heart. A large budget redo of the Langoliers because it's very low budget. I, I love the I love the miniseries yeah, it's, though. It's not bad. Um I, I, I remember. Say, did you guys? Uh, did you guys see what uh, Antlers was editing while, when he got the phone call? It's like creature, it like some kind of nature, like creepy yeah, nature na- like, thing. It was yeah, like a, animals attacking each other. It was like an Nature's anaconda squeezing the life out of a tiger. Tiger and shit, and black and white. Like, yeah, that it, was. It almost reminded me of like old Godzilla footage. Yep. Yeah, it looked very old fashioned. It was not yeah. like crisp. But you saw his setup footage. like he's all, he's a cinematographer, like he's all mm-hmm. into or a DP or whatever or mm-hmm. whatever you call that. Um, So he's all about like old style film. He made his own fucking camera and shit like that, which Can I, I love. say real quick. I love the moment when um he shows up with the like crank camera mm-hmm. and Emerald is like, yeah, Didn't I told you he was going to show up. They're like non battery operated. And she like, oh. yeah, and I they fucking slap each other's hands like yeah, you yeah, get yeah. to see OJ emote a little bit like he gets excited, which you haven't seen like the whole film. How did Katie Palmer muster love- so much energy? Like, I don't have that much energy output in like a year. So I don't know. <laughs> I love, they- see, that's what I'm saying. I love the dynamic between the brother and sister in this film. Like, I feel like if it wasn't there, I would not love this film as much. Agreed. Agreed. Same here. Um, well, I don't know. We've talked about a lot of stuff. Do you guys have any other major things or should we get into our ratings? Uh, I A couple, couple things I want to touch on real mm-hmm. quick. I love the... Um, the fact what I saw, I like, I love, let me see here. Um, the Best Buy dude was pretty cool. Antler was dope. Um, I got, so like, I got strong uh, Spielberg vibes the whole film, but especially towards the end when they, when they formulate like their plan and they're all sitting together using the thimble and the monopoly, like that was straight Spielberg type stuff. Um, so G baby friend of the show, host of um, waxing the porpoise. Uh, he we were talking about the movie and he noticed that the fish and chips place that they eat at later on is called Cobber Pots, which is a nod to Chester Cobblepot from the Goonies. The wow. he's the explorer who goes after one eye Willie's treasure before the Goonies ever did. Right. He's yeah. the one who made like uh, so I thought that was awesome. Also, on my second viewing, I noticed the scissors from us on the desk at Jupe's um, fucking on his uh, desk at the uh, office that he's in. 
Nice. There's scissors in a case and they're very big scissors. And that's got to be an Easter egg towards us, like which I really thought was awesome. Um, so also, let's see here. I got a couple other things. Jacqueline, we need to go uh, through this again. For yeah, sure. I know. I really want to watch it again. I noticed it's the, fir- the Scorpion King sweatshirt that he puts on when he's getting yeah. ready. Mm-hmm. Which is a nod towards the story that he told about his dad. And when she was talking about Jean Jacket yeah, they, in they, her horse. And he was like, it was Scorpion King that we worked on. So that was a sweatshirt that he got back then. And I just thought that was awesome. A touching moment to me. Little little like nod towards that story when he puts it on for the final act. Now, this is um, supposed to be my horse. And I saw yeah. him looking at me. Dad didn't even look at me. Yeah, actually, that was a very touching moment. Although, uh, and- well, so wait, can we talk about that for just a second? Like the whole gene, like calling the creature Jean Jacket, and the way like, like he does the eye thing. When it's yeah, like, but so we hear Steve. the story early on about how the dad gave emeralds. You know, didn't let her train the horse that was supposed to be hers, and so you know the guys trained it instead. Um, and that was Jean Jacket, the, the name of the horse. And so then later, isn't it um, OJ who suggests calling? The creature, the jean jacket jean yeah jacket that seems like a little fucked up to me because it's not like it's a cute new dog or something that they got it's like something that could potentially kill them all it's it like- was something that this him and the sister knew i guess it was a name that they were familiar with so he used it okay um so i know that so there's a message about caging wild animals here gordy and the horses the alien but also i think the cages we create for ourselves in life is a little bit of a metaphor here for these characters mm-hmm. Like OJ's cage of living at home and working with his dad and not giving up on the family business, but regretting like he never got out there. He never lived his life. Right. Mm. Emerald, on the other hand, did. She got out early. Right. And she left the family business for her own freedom, but ultimately felt guilty about leaving the family. I feel like her dad died. She wasn't there when he died. So now she's wanted. She kind of wants to stay home a little bit. That's why the brother's like, am I dropping you off? She's like, no, I'm going to come back to the house. with you. Like she wants to be around her brother. Like ultimately, she doesn't want to say it right away, but she does. And there's a moment where she wants to fucking leave with the alien and her brother's like, no, I'm staying. And she decides she's like bugging out. She's like, oh, what the fuck? What the fuck? And she decides to stay anyway. Right. Because her brother does. And she feels comforted around her brother. Right. So I feel like she she's made her own cage. Jupiter is caged in by his childhood stardom and not being much more than that. And the and the trauma that the suppressed trauma from his childhood that he suppressed, like you said, John, he's never really dealt with it. Nope. You know, he, he, he fucking capitalizes on it. He exploits it, but it's never really been something that he's probably talked to anybody about, you know? And so I just thought those were cool little uh, things that the the film touches on um, that are subtle, Uh, especially on my second viewing. I thought I picked up on some of that stuff. Um, Also, I love the shot of OJ out beyond yonder, like on Lucky. I love that Lucky comes back into play towards the end Mm -hmm. and uh, that he's like seen in the in the background like a Western, right? With the dust mm-hmm. settling. And like, so like, I have a question and this is a theory some people have and I, I don't really go with it, but do you think he's alive at that moment on the horse? Or do you think that's a vision, like he died and that's a vision that M sees as if like he's he's passed and she just sees like the heroic version of him. Well, I just chalked it up to him still being alive. Yeah, because Me the too. alien never goes after him. It starts to, but then M gets its attention. Right. And then we get that chase scene. With M, she, the, the the idea dawns on her to go to the the well and get the shot that is mm-hmm. not a, not using electric. It's cranked. 
Yeah, that's. <laughs> that was I, a- I thought he was alive, and I yeah, hope so that, that I. I hope that that is the case. I a I would be disappointed if he died because that would be sad, and I want them to like you know. Yeah, I don't think he died. I survive think and be a happy. Cool Western and- moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also I would be disappointed because I feel like he is the one who's like being respectful of the thing. Yeah, you know, and like not trying to, you know, disrespect it by trying to control it. You know, beyond what he can and so i think it would be like unfair for him to be like punished by death you know when he's i think more respectful of the creature than any than anybody else yeah i think he's alive but some people actually picked up that they thought maybe he died my buddy today that that i went to with he was wondering like was he did he die i was like i I never picked that up i never thought that he would have died yeah i could see how how one might think that i mean it's kind of a hazy shot it looks a little bit unreal but I, it's a heroic I would, shot. It's like yeah. it's supposed to be like that. They're they're overplaying it a little bit on purpose, you know. I'll just say I hope he's alive. Yeah, yeah he's I on the horse. It's out yonder, the like sun- sunset. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. early on when he first goes to Jupiter's with his sister. There's a scene where he goes, he he brings the horse Lucky over to sell, and then he goes to walk to the office, and then in the distance we see M right, and there's like a moment of a western theme going like woo woo. And like, that's his adversary at the moment, right? Sort of, because she's going to get in the way of his deal. And so she's down like, you know, 20 paces away or whatever, like you would have in a Western. Like, I just thought that was a cool little nod. Like Jordan Peele, he's such a good director. That's all I got to say. And that's really all I want to touch on um, for my notes mainly. Well, just to like kind of add on to what you're just saying, though, I think um, the film, the, the score composer, really did an excellent job in this too and there were like musical throwbacks to old like 50s spaghetti westerns that kind of signal to you like those moments that you were talking about yeah you know at the theme park but then also at the end when he does appear on the horse and the dust is like kind of clearing um there are musical cues there that sounded very much like the old westerns that's how the credits went too yeah oh really i didn't even notice but yeah and then other moments um like when they're looking in the clouds, I felt like there were um, just kind of throwbacks to like 50s sci-fi. I was wondering, yeah. There's like... So there was kind of a melange. I know you guys love that word. But a melange of musical influences taken from like film history incorporated into the score. And then there's some of that 80s vibe too to give us those Spielberg vibes. Like, yeah, this film's just... It's definitely like a melange of some great things i think <laughs> peel just does a fantastic job mm-hmm. and, and like even if he makes a film that has no social commentary I, he's just a great filmmaker yeah like yeah. i don't i don't need that's added on stuff i love that he gives you a thinking man's movie as well as something fun to watch and th- he's definitely flexed his chops as far as like i can make a big budget film with this and a popcorn not a popcorn film because I, I know some people take that as like a negative but this is like a summertime film though. like this is a great film it, it feels so much like a summer blockbuster. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think a popcorn movie de- shouldn't have a negative connotation. No, it shouldn't. Back and you can enjoy everything about it. But us having to have a discussion about it, you know, we're going to find flaws with it. And yeah. I like this. Jacqueline like, likes this. Heidelberg doesn't like this. Whatever it is. But, I mean, you take more of a critical eye. But it really is one of those movies because it's not overly gory. There's some really, really good gore in here. But you can watch this movie, get some enjoyment, walk out of the theater and go, you know what? I didn't waste my money. Yeah, there's comedy, there's levity. 
there's yep. drama, there's family like situations, there's there's a lot of it's just a great film, in my opinion. Agreed. Yes. All right. All right. John, anything you want to add before we start our ratings? Yeah, I want to watch it one more time. At least. Okay. We'll wait. Go watch. <laughs> I wish it. I could go to the Come movies back. with you and watch it. I know. I wish we could all go to the movies. John, did you see it in IMAX? I no, I am I am out in the boonies. Oh, I'm sorry. Go see it in IMAX John? if you my can, bad. John. Okay. Sorry, Hydra. Seriously, bro, you won't just I'll pay for it. I don't give a fuck. Like, go see it in IMAX. <laughs> I'll go see it. I, I've got next Sunday off, so I'll uh I'll definitely make a date to go see. And I just want to see Daniel uh Kalu, Kalua, whatever. I want to see him in more stuff. He was in Black Panther, by the way. He is. Yes, I know. Yes. Absolutely. Just circle um, back. All right. Well, John, it was your pick. So why don't you give us your rating first? And you know, I'm really brief with my ratings, but I mean, again, I, I honestly want to go watch it again because Hydraberg, you got me convinced like the things that I missed. I think I missed a lot. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you, I love the acting across the board. The brother and sister relationship, I I, I like the dynamic, but I don't think I was high as high on it as you two are. But the acting individually was so spot on those little things that Jordan Peele does with his movies, even though it's a big budget movie, you know, 60 some odd million dollars. Um, it felt good to watch it. Like I said, I, I didn't have any regrets of going in there and going like, oh, my God, I just wasted this amount of money to go watch a big blockbuster movie. But like what he did and still gave it that horror twist, that horror feel to it felt so good. And it was just like, why can't more directors do this? I mean, if you, if you want me to watch a big blockbuster movie, do this for me. You know, this is our niche. This is our, our genre of movies. And, you know, I've never been a big fan of sci-fi movies, but this one got me. This one grabbed me by the nuts and just pulled me right in and <laughs> ate me. Um, yep. Ate those nuts. <laughs> God. Um, I don't know. There's There's really not much to complain about and and knock it for but i'm gonna bring it down because it didn't hit me like get out or it didn't hit me like us which are like so high up for me so but i'm not gonna give it a low score the movie fucks uh it's an eight out of ten jean jackets all right eight out of ten jean jackets from john that was very alliterative (laughs) Hydra Berg, would you like to go next? I will go. I'm going to give you a fair warning that I have a lot of stuff written down here for my review. That's That's fine. That's why I went brief. (laughs) All right. I'm going to give you my pros because there's a lot of them. I think just this film's packed with heart. I love the family dynamic with the dad and the two kids. It just fucking hits for me. The relationship between the siblings, OJ and M, was just magical, in my opinion. Like, I just, I don't know. It's so genuine. Like, I really loved it. I loved every minute of screen time given to those two. And I just, both actors brought it. And they also added to the comedic bits, too. And they brought some levity um, to the film. It has equal moments of tension and levity. I think he does a great job of just blending those two. And like you said, being that Peel has a comedic background, like, he knows that, right? Like, so... It just lends well, you know, uh, to his filmmaking prowess. Uh, the score, sound design were spot on for me, especially the Foley work, the aliens noises. It sets such an unsettling tone. I fucking loved this movie sound 
Like not every movie stands out as far as sound or if sometimes you talk about the sound because you have nothing else to talk about for the film. I have a lot of other things to talk about, but the sound stood out for me in this film on the subject of tone. The film had it had me on the edge of my seat, like a large majority of it. And just like it was either that or I was just emotionally invested in the scene for the most part. So like kudos to Peel and the actors for pulling that off. The cinematography was just so well done. The use of lighting and setting was almost always on the mark. Every scene looked amazing, in my opinion, from the flashbacks to Gordy to the ranch and Jupiter's claim. Like uh, it all just like I love the settings, the set pieces. It all just felt interesting. Uh, Speaking interesting, the story felt original and interesting. I mean, sure, it's basically outer space Jaws and to coin a term from a friend of the show, Shaggy Black on Cinema Villains. He mentioned that to me on Instagram. Like it's it's <laughs> out of space Jaws, which is like awesome. I got a good laugh out of that, which it is. Yeah. But it's got so much heart. And the UFO actually being a living sentient creature was just a nice twist to the usual alien invasion story. I just love that. Um, the inclusion of the metaphor for working with tamed animals, wild animals or caged predators is just I thought it was a well a well done metaphor. And also the metaphor for the cages that we create for ourselves. I don't know if anybody got that, but I, I picked that up. Um, I just felt that it, it all felt really intelligent and never felt forced or, you know, crammed down your throat. You know, uh, you pick it up or you don't. Either way, the film still, you know, fucks. Um, I guess there could be an argument that the Gordy segments seem forced. And, I, you know, I'm one of those people that feels like I don't know if forced is the right term, but tacked on a little bit. Like I, I could have done without them, but I'm glad I'm kind of glad they are there because it's great cinema. Like it's really fucking good. Those scenes. And I love the nods to Peel's influences as a filmmaker, of course, like what the filmmakers that he the filmmaker that he's become because of those films that he's influenced by. And he's OK with, with wearing that on his, you know, his sleeve. Like these are the guys like his nod to George, John Carpenter. Like he's he loves what he loves. He loves the genre that he makes films in, and he's not apologetic of it. He's like, if you don't like horror, then whatever. I make horror films. Don't try and say because you like my films that they're not horror because you don't want to admit that you like horror because I make horror films. And if you like them, then guess what? You happen to like horror films, you know, and that's <laughs> on you, bro. You deal with that. So as far as, like, yeah, seriously, like he's unapologetic about that. I love that. Deal with it. Because people do, they like his films and they don't want to be like, oh, it's horror. Like they gave him an Oscar, but they were sort of like, oh, it's a thriller. And it's like, that's a fucking horror film. It's, it's a horror movie. Yeah. And you just you happen to like it. Like horror, horror can be so many things. That's what we love about it. Mm-hmm. Um, cons, I felt the pacing could have just been a little tight, a little tighter, just a little bit. You know, uh, focusing on Gordy and Juice past, although working in that metaphor for cage animals, etc. It just felt tacked on a little bit and out of place a little bit. Just just a little bit. Um, it added to the film's length, which I thought could have been a little bit shorter. Um, and more Keith David, please. Like, just give me more <laughs> of that man. I love his gravitas. The man just has fucking presence. And I'm like, I'm glad we got that flashback scene of him and, and OJ. And he's talking about ghosts is out there. He's doing things like because we know that ghosts can't be tamed, like which is another metaphor. Right. Yep. Um, so with all that said, this film is not a nope at all. So I'm going to give it nine out of 10 jean jackets. Wow. I, this is not my, I don't know if this is my favorite Jordan Peele film. I don't know. Get Out's really good. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I think Get Out just like it left a mark in society, just in society in general. And like, it had a lot to say. 
and I think you, you like it just it, it was monumental for like the African community, like African-American community in general and just filmmakers in that, you know, just it opened a lot of doors, I feel mm-hmm. like. And you, like it's huge. Well, well here's a teaser. Man. We may or may not be covering it in a few months time. All right, cool. But just this film for me, like this film touched on so many things that I love about the films that I grew up on like Spielberg films. And like, I just love this. This was a fun fucking film to go see. So see it in theaters. If you can support the theater. Absolutely. Uh, Jacqueline, before you go, I'll, I'm going to ask you a question. Hydra. You, you you really raved about the sound design and stuff like that. Do you find this was better than like Marvel movies that you're a big fan of? Well, yeah, because like Marvel movies are cool and the sound design's cool in those, but like, it's like, you know, it's like gunshots or explosions and those are cool. But for this, like the sound design, service the story like it's added to the setting and the tension the the uh, this movie wouldn't be as tense if they didn't have the noises that this creature made as it loomed overhead and this film had moments where it got silent because the the thing was in the clouds and nobody knew where it was and all the characters were being quiet because they didn't want to make any fucking noise and then like you know like just i don't know like even the dialogue when like uh oj looks outside and he looks up and he's like nope and there's a couple of times <laughs> they say the word nope in this. And I just love I it. I love that. I love it. I'm a sucker for that. So Jacqueline, how do you feel about nope? Was it a yep? <laughs> yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was a yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hyderberg kind of already touched on most everything right. I wanted to say. But uh, like you were saying before, even without the social commentary and the subtext that we were discussing, yeah. it works as a just a great movie. Like Jordan Peele knows how to make an entertaining movie. I mean, we've already talked about the relationship between the characters. He writes good dialogue. He knows how to make things look amazing. He gets, um, I I wanted to mention the cinematographer that he used. Um, His name is Hoyt Van Hoytema. I'm I'm sorry. I know I said that wrong. He's Swiss. Um, Mm. But he does a lot of Christopher Nolan's films. Ah. So he's known for Tenet, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Ad Astra, the movie Her. Did you guys see Her with Joaquin Phoenix? No. I do know um, that they use they use some kind of camera design or like a rig to film this that they use on Ad, or they created for Ed Astra. Mm-hmm. Like a 3D camera. I don't know if that's part of your trivia. Uh, no, I don't, I don't have that. But um, yeah. so the cinematographer is known for like really big cinematic like spectacle type films right so i think you know he gets he works with really good people jordan peele works with really good people he knows how to create an engaging story uh the setting as we talked about was really really perfect for this particular story and created a certain mood that was really effective um very isolated yeah i will say about the sound design there was a lot that i picked up on that i thought was really subtle and effective like the 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 different kinds of noises that the that the creature makes there's the screaming and the clicking and there's different stuff i will say i think in the theater i was sitting in i think the sound was turned down a little bit too mm-hmm. low and so i think there were maybe some even like even more subtle things that i wasn't able to pick up on I'm, i just suspect that that's the case um and i also think there was a lot of dialogue that i kind of missed like i had to really strain to hear the dialogue actually which is kind of annoying and sort of a frustrating way to watch the movie i wish i could turn on subtitles 
like mm. when I'm at home, I always turn on subtitles um, so I can read along with the with the dialogue. But so that's another reason I want to watch it again is I feel like there were maybe some details that that slipped by me because I couldn't hear it super well. Um, but yeah, Jordan Peele knows how to how to make a great movie. And like you said, Hyderberg, if you pick up on the subtext and you want to like expend the mental energy to put it together, great. It adds like extra dimension to it, right? And if you don't, it's still a really enjoyable film. It's not yeah. crucial to to under to like enjoying the film. It's not like Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Like you have to you have to figure out what the fuck is going on, otherwise it's like a mess. Mm-hmm. And that's not what's happening here. So I think it can be enjoyed. I mean what an egalitarian film right like it can be enjoyed by people who want to think real hard and people who don't want to think real hard everybody can enjoy it hold on i'm looking up egalitarian right now i just want to... <laughs> it's like for the mass it's like for everyone it's like equitably you know yeah. for everyone um so yeah i also i think it's really interesting that like jordan peele's first film is like very specific like the, the the fact of the characters of the of um daniel kalua's character being black is absolutely essential to the story right mm-hmm. like i think that movie is very much about blackness and we'll talk more about that if and when we cover it in a few months um and so it had i think it had something important to say about the black experience right but then in the movies us and this film nope it centers on black characters, but for the most part, the fact of being black is not like essential to the plot. It's they're not specifically films about like black suffering, right? And it's they're films where like black people are just allowed to like be characters in a story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I feel like that's just like another step along the progress line mm-hmm. for people who are underrepresented in film. Like not every film starring black people has to be about being black. Yeah. Not every movie about like that stars Hispanic characters or um, Asian characters or gay characters or whatever has to be about those experiences. I think it's good to have films about those experiences, but I think like the real kind of end goal of, of the progress within this like, um like striving for representation is that like it doesn't even have to be a point to remark on anymore like these people can just be characters in their own right absolutely does that and make like sense when, no sure yeah. i said that right and like when he writes other characters that aren't black mm-hmm. like white or asian or anything like they're never lesser than because mm-hmm. they're not the focus like everybody gets their roles and they, like everybody's really well written Right. It's never like, oh, we're only elevating the black character. Like he's just like, I'm going to cast mainly black characters as my leads because that's what I want to do because and rightfully so. But yeah, to get representation, like I think it's great. But like I love the fact that as a white guy, like when he does cast white people, like they're they're decent people. Like they're not all like, you know, get out. Some of them are fucking horrible but that that was the point of that movie but i agree with you 100 jacqueline i i I think it doesn't matter because you don't see color in this you see characters you see you you relate great acting or you don't relate or whatever it is you know that's what makes jordan peele such a great director is that it's character driven it's not it's not Mm -hmm. something else you know he does one thing and it makes you think about things and it's 
it's very uh, subjective because you you get something different out of his movies. You know, everybody sees it differently, and especially this one because, you know, the way I saw it was, you know, we're all looking for the spectacle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, as like a person with minority backgrounds myself, it's like it's good to see. St- you know, it's good to see myself represented in, in, in films and those can be like Hispanic stories, but also it's like, I feel like the mark of progress is when it's not even remarkable anymore that like, Oh, what a great movie with a moving story about gay history or about Hispanic history or about black history or whatever. It's like, they can just be characters in their own right. And it doesn't have to be about their suffering or whatever their underrepresented status is. Yeah. That's how you know it's not underrepresented anymore when it's like portrayed as like they're just people. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I said it right, but I hope no, you, no, no, I get what you're saying. You're right. So anyway, that's one thing that I like about this movie. Like, I think there's a little bit of subtext about being black, yeah, but I don't about it's not like being black in Hollywood, especially. Yes. Like in the beginning, but it's not like crucial to everything in no. the story. You know, um, the story is the story and the characters are the characters, I think, first and foremost. So um some cons that i that i want to talk about i i talked about this before but there were certain ways that the narrative functioned that threw me off like characters really at times did not behave the way i expected them to and it and it really kind of knocked me back and i and i was disoriented at certain points in the film like the way they keep kind of like um, inviting these encounters with the creature. And like I said, from the very first time, like the very first time they had that encounter, we see that like a big chunk of that scene in the trailer where you have that wide shot of the house and the storm clouds and she's dancing to the music and having her drink and he's outside with the horse. And then like the lights dim out and the music kind of slows to a halt. And then like, you kind of realize what's going on. She's like, run. We see a lot of that in the trailer. Going into the viewing yesterday, I had kind of assumed that was going to be like a climactic scene, like a big kind of like climax sort of thing. But no, that's the very first encounter with the creature. And like I said before, I just don't feel like there was enough like panic or like a, like enough healthy disbelief at first. Like, I don't know. I would just, maybe this is just expecting, you know, cliched things from films that I've already seen, but I guess I had expected a period of time where they're like, no, that can't be what I've seen. And then they eventually have to come around to it and accept that that's what it is. And they don't do it just right off the bat. He's kind of like, yeah, flying saucer, UFO. And so I think it just, and then the, like they keep sort of inviting those encounters. Um, and it was, it was just disorienting to me. Um, and again, the thing with the, the, the parallel story with Gordy and the sitcom and Steven Yoon's character. Um, again, I don't feel like I needed less of that story. I just feel like it needed to be placed differently. And yeah. I feel like that would have been sufficient to give it a little bit less weight. I feel like it was weighted too heavily. That's within, a good point. Within within the um, narrative, so I it, it made me feel like I don't know whose story this is sometimes, and like why am I paying attention to this? Why did the movie open with this? Um, let's see. Yeah, I think it was a little long, and I think the pacing got a little slow sometimes. Like the stretches of time in between, like you know, exciting stuff happening 
did start to feel a little draggy. I think maybe maybe this film could have been trimmed down just a tiny bit. Not a lot, but just a tiny bit. Maybe tighten the pace a little like bit. Like a clean two hours. Yeah, a clean two hours, I think, would have been just about right. So that, that would have been good. But all in all, I thought this was a great movie. It gives me a lot to chew on or not chew on if I feel like it. Like, you know, it, it's good for any mood. So um, I definitely want to see it again. I think I think it's another hit from Jordan Peele. Um, I'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10 jean jackets. Rock on. <clears throat> I'm curious. I- did we hit uh, how the creature was defeated? No, we didn't talk about that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the big balloon guy. (laughs) We spoiled the movie, but we didn't talk about how it ended. (laughs) Yeah, so she releases the hot air balloon type thing, uh, little jupe character. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a cowboy or something. Yeah, it's filled with healing. It's his his character from that movie that he's a star of. Right. Yeah, in the air, uh, the alien attack. And it meets eyes with the monster, and the monster swallows it. Yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't like non organic material, you know, non animal anything with eyes apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like the metal coins or plastic flags or um, you know ceramic that that decoy horse thing. What do we think that was? Like fiberglass ceramic? Yeah, it got stuck. Yeah, it was probably fiberglass. What the heck was it made of? Um, Pretty sturdy because it was still whole. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. But the balloon was filled with helium, so it fucking it like blew up in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was kind of silly to me. What did you think of the final form too? Like the fact that it changed forms in between. Weird. I thought it was cool. I feel like it on its, me of alien. Yeah, like on its native planet, I feel like that's almost like how they get around. Like they're like in that form, right? But then it can it can zoom around. I don't know. I just sort of liked seeing it. It was weird. You know, but it was different, like the whole box thing coming out and replicating itself over and over again. It was sort of just it was different. I liked it because I would want any kind of extraterrestrial life that comes and visits Earth. I would like for it to be in a form that I could not have conceived of. Yeah. I don't want it to look like a little like the big head, big eye. It wasn't humanoid. I don't want to see that. I want it to look like something that is like nothing else. I want and it to I, be yeah. hard for me to comprehend. I like that was. they kind of reference deep sea creatures as like what they were going for. I thought that was interesting. I agree. I like that too. Yeah, I didn't um, form. I just thought it was very odd. Yeah, it was. It was different. Mm-hmm. We don't even know that. Like, we never see a body, right? Like, it it definitely like dissipates into the air it's like floating around but we don't know that it's definitely defeated right do we i don't know it kind of looked like a dragon or a dragon skin at the end yeah it has no bones so it's like that's true well it does it ate it but well no but it's actual structure the way it's like forms it doesn't look like it has any bones yeah it's very fluid i'm not Um, sure that that balloon filled with helium would have been able to like generate quite that much force to like totally explode the the thing um, it looks like it, it fucked up its form and it ended up like it wasn't able to fly i almost uh, almost thought like oh it, it must have landed somewhere or it's like almost like a bird with its leg hurt or its arm its wing hurt like it can't fly anymore so it's gonna land and then eventually die or something i don't know 
I just feel like it would have like kind of pooped it out before it like, <laughs> exploded. Like, okay. So I used to work in a weather forecasting office and it would, part of my job was to release weather balloons and those are filled with helium and it goes like way, 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 way up into the atmosphere. But just like, it didn't even go that high to get sucked up by the alien. It wouldn't have like expanded that much and like exploded with such tremendous force. I just don't think, I don't know. I don't think that would have happened. Yeah. Well, it's a movie. Well, let's call (laughs) Jordan and tell him to change the ending real quick. Yeah, change the ending. Excuse me, Jordan. Well, I know he's listening. Maybe there's multiple endings we're not aware of. He'll release a director's cut with reshot footage. (laughs) And then Jacqueline goes, that one. You should use that one. (laughs) Can can I read an excerpt from a, uh, a, a, it's real short, from a review that I saw on, uh, on a Facebook page? Mm-hmm. They're called Something Spooky. I don't know if they have a website, but I know they have a Facebook page. I've seen them on uh, Facebook through like the Joe Bob. Uh, I think it was through Joe Bob. Uh, the Joe Bob page. Um, I just like what he said. It was real quick. He had a bunch to say, but this is like his main um, synopsis. It was just. Nope has redefined alien invasion movies for a new generation of moviegoers. It is the first meaningful mark for that subgenre in a long time and thus feels creative and fresh while reinventing a formula that seemed entirely exhausted. It is another tremendous achievement for Jordan Peele and demonstrates exactly why just a one word title is enough to be excited about his name when it's attached. Which I, I just thought is completely. Yeah. So it's true. just like a night. I like the little summary. It's very tight and just it, encompasses basically everything that you want to say real quick about this film because this is a subgenre that's like when was the last time you guys watched like a good alien film like they're good arrival. done well arrival did you guys see arrival i loved that movie. i did i think so who's in that before that uh amy adams no yeah, that's a that's a uh that's a dennis uh bevenu uh, whatever yes. the guy. Like, yeah yeah did yeah, you ever yeah, see blade yeah. runner 2049 Yes. I did not. I've only seen it. Uh, you should see it. You saw Dune, right? I did see Dune. Yeah. Right, Joey saw Blade the Runner. new Blade Runner. He liked it. Blade that. Runner is one of my favorite movies in the past 10 years. It's so good. Oh. And just like this film has amazing sound design. Nice. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. All but right. before Arrival, I can't remember the last time I saw, you know, a really great alien movie. Um, Hyderberg, I think your comment at the beginning that this you know, seems to be partially inspired by Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I think that's like kind of its closest DNA in my in my heart. Yeah, just for absolutely. Me. And Jaws. Um, yeah. Oh, and Jaws too. Yeah, I agree. With I that. love the scenes too. Just when the the monster like went on its side, and it was like mm-hmm. maneuvering. Like it was just interesting to see it doing other things besides just regular UFO stuff. I think a big part of that sixty six million dollar budget or whatever it was must have gone towards the the like cgi for that for the creature because it looked so good it did not look you know crappy i thought it went to all the little wiggly guys that they use (laughs) (laughs) inflatable man yeah what do you call those things i have no idea um sock wind he called them sky something uh angel called them sky something i forgot sky socks sky puppets i don't know what they are they had a shit ton of them though holy Um, and a lot of car batteries. Well, they stole them from car- all the those dead are, people. Those are not cheap. From Jupiter's claim. Those are all the cars left over at Jupiter's claim from the people that got snatched up. Yeah, but Wait, do we know that or are you speculating? Yeah, no, I know. They, that's where they were when they took them. Oh, no, I missed, I missed that, that too. He even says it. Yeah, he's like, oh, I was busy taking all the batteries from the dead people from Jupiter's claim. 
Sorry that I because she asked, how come we don't have a feed from what's his name's camera? But what's his name's camera isn't digital. Mm-hmm. It's hand cranked. So he's like, I didn't know how to fucking get a feed from that. Like it's everything else we're using is digital. So she's like, oh, so you forgot. And he's like, well, I was busy fucking hooking up the sky jammers or whatever the fuck he called them, like 40 sky something skies, whatever they were, sky guys or whatever he called them <laughs> to, de- to dead people's batteries. Oh, OK. Well, OK. So I really need to watch this again and make them crank up the sound because I missed also, that too. What did you think of Angel just screaming his head off in the beginning when he gets to the ranch? out of nowhere and he's just like oh here's my girlfriend she left me for a cw show here's what she looks like you i know, thought just he seemed case. like such a lame ass like, yeah you were just sort of like what the fuck is this guy's problem he just wants to hang Shut out up. nobody cares. you guys can stay at my house if you want he was kind yeah. of endearing though like you get to you, you start to like him he became endearing but at the yeah. first i thought he was a real loser and i was like yeah. first of all act like you give a shit about your job second of all don't tell your clients about your girlfriend they don't care second of all don't surveil them you know remotely from the store that's not ethical he made he made such a wise ass comment and the place is called fries have you ever been there the electronic no it's a real place it is it went bankrupt though right before this movie came yeah do they really have a ufo kind of stuck into the no the front of it that's what Um, they had in the show i know in the movie Mm. it was weird a little different um no fries is just like a bigger circuit city okay oh which also business like, almost like a Best Buy. I suppose. We're old enough to remember Circuit City, yeah. where service is so, state of the art. So yeah. when the when the praying mantis is on the screen of the <laughs> camera, I thought for a minute those were going to be the fucking aliens. So did like, I. This is how he was doing. He was subverting our expectations. Yeah, they're not crazy. little green men. They're insects that come out of this thing. I thought for a minute, like, oh, my God, that's the fucking alien. It's like it knows what you're doing. It's blocking your fucking camera on purpose. You can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he made that wise ass comment at Fry's where he's just like, well, you're not going to be able to install it yourself. Yeah. Which looked it's so it did look snotty. Tough. I wanted to smack him. Uh-huh. Which is par for the course with one of those sort of dudes, though. Those IT tech guys like there's sometimes they are a little snooty. They can be no offense to anybody that follows a show that's into tech, but. Oh my god, we just lost like half of our listeners. Yeah, when I worked in radio, I, I know that more than better than anybody. Oh SNL has a skit about the IT guy, right? Like, oh, <laughs> so. he's very yeah. snooty. Well, do you guys want some trivia? Please. Yes, shower right. it on us like coins and and random jewelry and and car keys. I shall. And plastic chairs. I will try not to slice your face. Hmm. Don't put any nickels through my eyeballs. I'll try. Kiki Palmer's introductory scene in which Emerald delivers her energetic and fast-talking monologue about her family history during a safety meeting on the set of a film shoot took 14 takes to shoot. Wow. Gordon Peele described each one as very wildly different. Now, I would like to see all of them. I thought you were going to say it was improvised. No, that would be something. Though. I love the way she's like, I do a little singing on the side <laughs> and I make a, meal, yeah. a mean grilled cheese. If you want to hire me for the craft services. Yeah, she's she's hustling. That girl hustles. I do like uh, that. They finally got her on the motorcycle in the end. I thought that was awesome. She was badass on that motorcycle. She was. But, I love that scene. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping that there's maybe like some deleted scenes or, um, you know, like alternate takes on a Blu-ray release later. I'm going like to buy see it. those other. I'd like to see those other takes. We were talking about influences on the film. Jordan Peele cites King Kong, mm. Jurassic Park, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, there you go. Signs, and The yes. Wizard of Oz as the film's influences. Um, he clearly forgot Twister, but yeah. uh, obviously. Uh, uh, the house is very much sort of like the house from Signs in a sense. Like I was trying to place mm-hmm. the house if it was from something. 
because it sort of just dropped there, right? Like that that gully that they're in, or like like valley, is just sort of like there's nothing else there, and then boom, there's a house. Well, like, we about- don't see any neighbors in the distance, right? Yeah. Except for Jupiter's claim. Yeah, yeah. With, with with signs. I mean, it's a farm, whereas yeah, this is a ranch. Yeah, I I could see some similarities there. Mm-hmm. And King Kong and Jurassic Park, along with Jaws, like trying to harness something that's like mm-hmm. too powerful that you shouldn't be messing with. Yeah, absolutely. The Jeff Goldblum. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, you distracted her. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know what I'm talking about. Where are we? Are we doing a podcast? Where am I? Mm, we're talking about uh, hairy chests. Oh, yeah. Jordan Peele said he wrote the script at a time when we were a little bit worried about the future of cinema which I, th- I think we could all relate to, worried about like movies and movie theaters and what's going to survive. Looking so at you, Marvel. Thing- hmm? Shut up, John. No, you're Looking not at- wrong. I get, I get what you're saying. Though. Looking at you, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I knew is I wanted to create a spectacle. I wanted to create something that the audience would have to come see. Well, I'm glad that he did. I'm really glad that he did. And apparently um, it worked because people are coming out, they're putting butts in the seats. They sure are. I I feel very confident that they're going to recoup that budget by next weekend. Yeah, and I think I think, so. I think word of mouth theaters. is going to move this film even further. Yeah, and I think it's going to stay in the theaters for a good few weeks. I think I think it'll do fine. I'm not like I'm not worried. I had a friend who hasn't seen this. I might even go see it a third time just to see it with them. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun film. I would not shame you for that. That's a <laughs> I'm going to go see it again too. You've shamed me for worse. So. I have. <laughs> Thanks, Killy. You guys shame each other a lot. Change uh, so Gordy the chimp was like s- CGI, but yeah, also was... sort of played by Terry Notary. So he was used cow. as no, no, oh, it's no. a grown man. Oh. Um so Terry Notary is an actor who's known he's like an animal movement specialist, and so he kind of like played the like form of Gordy with like you know green screen and stuff and then CGI was like I don't I don't know how CGI works but they, they like made CGI kind of around his bodily movements but like the movements were kind of were played by this actor um, Terry Notary and he previously portrayed Rocket in the rebooted Planet of the Apes trilogy hmm. so and if you look at his IMDb list, there's like a lot of other kind of like um, CGI animal type stuff that he's done. Um, he was in, I want to say he was in like Godzilla. I closed that window on my phone, but I think he was like Godzilla or something in one of the recent Godzilla movies. Um, but uh, so, yeah, interesting. He, he that's kind of like his, you know, little niche is he does this kind of like animal movement stuff. It's his job. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, here, I took a screenshot of this article I read. Gordy is a CGI creation based on the performance of t- actor, excuse me, actor Terry Notary, who specializes in portraying animals and creatures. Notary's credits include 2017's Kong Skull Island, War for the Planet of the Apes, and the live-action remake of The Lion King. Mm. The sets and props featured in the shots with Gordy were built 30% larger than life to accommodate Notary's larger-than-chimp dimensions. Wow. Um, Ironically, though worth mentioning for a movie about animal wranglers in danger of losing their legacy, Nope leans heavily on digital effects, no doubt for reasons of safety. So like they, most, didn't, they like didn't use whole, a real chimp is the point. I feel like a majority of all the horse stuff was was actually done, though. And Yeah, that seems right. But I, I think yeah. that like horses are probably a safer animal to use. Yeah. You know, they're not going to like attack you. Mm. Um, 
so interesting and then the last little bit i have there's not a ton of trivia about this i'm sure there will be more as yes, like time no. goes on and you know we learn more about it but um the last piece i have is after gordy exits his rampage apparently he gives a sign to young ricky like you know like some um primates can communicate with sign language he signs to young ricky what happened family i don't think he was gonna kill ricky i don't think so either no what happened? It doesn't like, make me feel kind of sad. Like the balloons what kept to the going off, right? So he it kept fucking feeding it was like triggering into him. right. Mm-hmm. So like eventually the balloons stopped popping and he calmed down. He started hitting what's your name's leg, mm-hmm. you know, and she was still alive. He chewed her face off though, like not only beat her but chewed her face off. And then like he killed people in the audience, or some of them were just hiding because you could see people moving, like they were hiding behind their seats. And I almost I would love to just see like what exactly happened like a camera version of it or whatever and i know we never will and that's part of like the mystique is like that's what lends to like the horror of it it's like you don't know what happened but you know it was fucking horrific Mm -hmm. it was like six minutes and uh, 15 seconds or something like that of just yeah yeah the monkey got around so like how many people he hurt and where he went was yeah, like, like I, I didn't know a chimp could be that dangerous. He's I really covered didn't. in blood. They're strong. I really didn't. Yeah, but like they're kind of small and like to get that many people, but they are, but they're strong. Um, Chimps I just connected people. some dots here. The balloon popping is what triggered Gordy to go ape shit. And then the way <gasps> that they killed, killed the, the alien, alien. The balloon. Oh my god, genius. I give it a 10 out of 10. The movie. <laughs> I raise it a score. That's I'm what I love point. about Jordan Peele. He's got like such continuity to his movies and they Attention to those little tiny details. Those little, little breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs and... throughout the movie. You know, we beat the straight chilling boys to our review of no, they're covering it this week. I know. Well, they could be recording it tonight, so I'll just make sure I put it up right after we get done. Oh my god. I think they released theirs on Wednesdays. They did. Mm-hmm. So all right. Well, that is it for nope. But yep. yeah, I think John and I will have to see it again. So uh yes. next week. Let me ask is... you a question real quick. Yeah. Do you think that Joey would like this film? Mm, good question. I think he would. He grew up on. He likes the Goonies, right? He's the one that told you to watch Goonies. He likes Spielberg. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. This movie's he not does... like horror, like in your face horror. Yeah, he he is generally more receptive to things that are like um, have higher production value. Like he does not like really low budget stuff, yeah, and he does which not this film like. Is not. He does not like amateurish acting, and so. You know, this film obviously has great acting and um, really high production value. He really liked Get Out. Okay. He did not like Us. I liked Us until the end. So, like, this film definitely, I like this film more than Us. I enjoyed this Mm. film more than Us. I think Us was great. It was terrifying. The the acting and portrayal, uh, like, everything was great. Um, I just didn't love the Hands Across America Coke commercial ending. Mm-hmm. I like the doppelganger stuff. I think that's interesting. I think when you start to pick it apart, it seems a little weird that they're living in reverse the whole time. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil a film that we're not recovering. <laughs> but I just so, feel like I the thought ending... we've already agreed. We like yeah. Spoiler for all horror movies, for anything ever. horror, yeah. But just, I just feel like the ending to us sort of fell flat for me. But I haven't watched it as mo- as many times as I should. Yeah, I same, same here. But um. I don't know, like the certain the 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 individual elements of this movie, I like on paper seem like things that Joey would be okay with, but just as a whole, something in my gut tells me he would not be into this. Really? Yeah, I could be wrong. 
but I don't, I don't know the man, but I think you're wrong. I think you would like okay. it. Nope. Well, Hyderberg, you I mean, you know my husband better than I do. So oh, no. exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go tell him. Hyderberg says you'll like this movie, so you better watch it. Right, we're on a first name basis. He knows me as Nick. <laughs> right, Joe? Yeah, he knows. He knows. I, I would love to get him on the show sometime. We'll figure it out. That'd be yeah. awesome. I think it would be kind of hilarious. I want to get him on a show where he just doesn't shit all over the film that we're watching. Although that could well, be fun, too. There, there are some movies that I think could be good for that. Like, yeah. um, I think They Live could be a good one for him. Interesting. I think or like something a- like A Cure for Wellness, maybe, or like oh, They Live. Or something Shutter. Oh, really? All right, th- maybe think- we're gonna cover. I have we have a spot that we're we have to fill. Well, well, I'll, I of Keep course doing. I would choose it for one of my movies. I wouldn't want, expect you guys oh, to true. take up a pick for you know my husband to come on, but. You know, as a non-horror fan, I think it would be interesting to have him come in and talk about talk about a horror band. We've mentioned them so, we so kind much of, on the show. I feel like if the audience gets to hear his voice, that would be great. Yeah, we kind we kind of uh, you know rib him a little bit for his non-horror-y you know orientation, but he supports the cast by giving you two hours of free time in order to record he, every week. He so. does, and that's kind of a big ask, especially since Absolutely. Mondays are when new episodes of Better Call Saul come out. So ah, we, have, we have to delay. I'm behind on that. Oh my God, Hyderberg! You have to catch up. I know my name's Hyderberg, so like I love Breaking Bad. So wait, wait, where are you right now in Better? I'm like season three, so like I'm at least two seasons behind. Hyderberg, okay. I'm telling you, starting with season five, that shit like I kind of want it to end at season five though, because that's how many seasons Breaking Bad had. I kind of wish they had the equal amount of seasons. I know, but season five is where like right. shit starts to get crazy, and then season six is just like I can't believe there's six seasons. I'm oh my god! Pretty far behind then. All right. Oh my god! I'm so there start. are only four episodes left. So anyway, so that's Monday nights, awesome. and so he he allows us to like record it and delay by a day so that we can so I can record with you guys, yeah. and then um we watch Better Call Saul on Tuesday. But so, yeah, and he's that was the and- a cut above horror reviews Better Call Saul segment. Oh, it was a Joey. We segment, should do a really. whole, we should do a whole episode. We should do a whole episode of Better Call Saul. I don't care. I mean, John, my name is Hy- Hydroberg, which I is know. a nod to Heisenberg. So, mm-hmm. and my love of Marvel. Ugh, well, I choose to ignore that part. But anyway, <laughs> next week, yes, it's my pick. Yes, it is. And I have chosen the film Climax. Mm, and once again, me. I have forgotten to check to see where it's streaming. So it would be nice if I had that information to share. So I'm Googling quickly. This is uh, how the sausage is made. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to find out where it is streaming so that everyone knows where they can watch it. It is available to rent on Amazon Prime. It says Sling TV premium subscription. I don't see it popping up on like shutter or anything normally like premium that. subscriptions mean like you have to subscribe through something that's on yeah. that uh, if you have showtime anytime you can watch it there but who has that most most people don't so on amazon prime you can rent it for 3.99 that looks like maybe the most accessible option or you can steal it for free 99 i'm just kidding <laughs> Is that the we here at a cut above do not advocate the theft or piracy of any motion picture no especially <laughs> a new jordan peele flick go to the theaters and see that that's right so uh climax for next week um 
it's it's I I actually don't know a lot about this movie. It's a film I've never seen before. Have you guys seen it before? I have not. I've heard about it, but not enough to know have anything spoiled. I just know that it's I've never even heard of it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've heard of it. Well, the director is uh, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce this, but it's Gaspar Noé. I'm not sure if that's right. No way. But no way. But I think he did Irreversible with Monica Bellucci. Am I right? I haven't seen that either. God bless you. And I'm pretty sure he did Enter the Void. Is that right? Anyway. You haven't seen any so, of his work. Okay. Well, then. <laughs> but anyway, if you're, if you're like trying to find the right movie, the director is Gaspar. It's N-O-E. So I don't know if that's no or no way, but that's who it is. So it's available for rent on Amazon Prime for $3.99. So next week, we'll be back discussing the film Climax. In the meantime, if you'd like to email us your thoughts about Nope, you can do so at acutabovehorrorreview at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cutabovehorror. Uh, you can catch us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And check us out on Facebook. Become our friend at a cut, cut above colon horror review. And we want to say a huge thank you to everybody that's given us a review on Spotify or iTunes. Please keep them coming. It helps get our uh, show out there to more people. And wherever you listen to your podcast, we also appreciate you listening. Yeah. Uh, guys, can mm-hmm. I just take a second to get serious with you? Yeah, yeah. All right, so I don't, I don't want to bring anybody down, but today, um, today is the nine-year anniversary of my mom's passing, and I just want to say, without her, I would never be into this genre of films that we love to talk about each week. And I just want to say, I just want to dedicate tonight's show in her memory, and the, that I love and miss her every day. Absolutely. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Hyderberg. I didn't realize today was the. It's anniversary. fine. I don't, I don't announce it. It's just something I've gotten. It's over the years. It's gotten easier to deal with. But it used yeah. to, it definitely used to be a day. I take the day off of work. That's for sure, though. Yeah. I don't like to deal with work on that day, on that day. But uh, it's definitely easier to deal with now, uh, almost 10 years away from the day. And um, especially this film being like Spielbergian and like a lot of like touching on a lot of the films that I grew up on. Like these are a lot of the films that my mom either took me to or introduced me to. And my I, the reason I'm into horror is because of my mom. So I just want to dedicate this show to her. That's awesome. That's beautiful. What's your mom's first name? Uh, Joan. Joan. Well, here's to Joan. Thanks for raising a good man and a good horror fan. Mrs. Berg. Mrs. Berg. (laughs) Mrs. Berg. Joan, thank you. Yes, this one goes out to Joan. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, thanks for a great episode, you guys. Thanks for talking about Nope. And I look forward to meeting you back here next week to talk about Climax. And don't forget to keep it creepy. Nope.